0: Good morning, it's a beautiful day to see each and every one of you here, we're so thankful that uh, the, that gospel meeting we had last week and I'll tell you that was uh, some powerful lessons and it's hard to stand up here and to preach after that, uh, but I'll do the best, best I can. The, um, as you can see on the screen there, our text we're going to be looking at today is in 1 John chapter 1 and we're going to actually cover into part of chapter chapter 2. And so, uh, the concept here, really, of this passage, and one of the key themes of the book of 1 John is fellowship. Just in the first uh, seven verses, you see that word fellowship used about or used four times. There are other terms throughout uh, the book of 1 John that are somewhat synonymous with being uh, with fellowship, the idea of fellowship. But what is fellowship? I guess we'll start there. Fellowship is a relation between individuals which involves a common interest and a mutual active participation in that interest and in each other. And so think about this concept here. You know, when we are in fellowship with one another, we are actively seeking one another's best will. We are actively working with and for one another. When we are in that fellowship relationship with God, we are working with Him, and God is working with us and through us. And so we are working together. We have that joint participation. We have that common interest in the work of the church and in our work, our shared work, but also in each other. We're promoting... Uh, in our life, when we are in fellowship with God, we are promoting His interest. We are seeking after what is best for God. And likewise, He to us when we are in fellowship with Him. Uh, so this is an important concept. And sometimes, I think as we look at this text, there's a lot has been said over this particular text. Uh, there's a lot of uh, it goes back and forth uh, from one, one belief to another. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, boy, you know, this... So-and-so agrees with me, so therefore I take a lot of comfort that he agreed with me. Or others say, well, you know, we agree and disagree with that, and others disagree agree with us in that disagreement, and we take comfort in that. Now, here's the deal, though. Where do we find authority? Where do we find comfort? Where do we uh, establish what the Bible says? A little hint, it's in the Bible. We look in the Bible. What does the Bible say? That's really all i mentioned. It. In. I don't care what somebody else said or what somebody wrote in a book or what somebody else said about what somebody said about what somebody wrote in a book. Let's look at what the Bible says. And so that's what we're going to do today. And so fellowship, I think, is something that is overlooked a lot in this passage. Uh, and so we need fellowship with one another to go to heaven, to help one another go to heaven. Uh, Adam and Eve, you think about Adam and Eve in the garden what did they do with God in the cool of the evening? They walked with Him in a way that we will not understand and never be able to understand until we are in heaven. And so they walked with Him on this earth in a way that we will never be able to. Why were they able to walk with God? Because they were innocent and without sin. Now when sin uh, broke that relationship, never again were they able to walk Uh, And enjoy the same sense of fellowship that they had with God before that. And so uh, we too enjoy fellowship with God, uh, but uh, not in the same sense that Adam and Eve did in the garden. We won't get to experience that till we're in heaven. But we too enjoy fellowship with God and with one another as we walk in the lights. And so that's why I titled this sermon, uh, Our Fellowship Together in the Lights. And so another synonymous term with being in fellowship with God found in the text, verse 7, walking in the light. If we walk in the light, then we are in fellowship one with another. And so we'll get on into verse 7 in a few moments. But uh, the idea here is, you know, it's a synonymous idea. Walking in the light means being in fellowship with God. And as we come down to uh, chapter 2 and verse 3 talks about knowing God. Hereby we do know that we know Him. Again, the idea of knowing God is to be in fellowship with God. That's a, a phrase that's repeated throughout 1 uh, first, uh, first John, the knowing. And so the knowing is the idea of fellowship. Walking in the light is the idea of fellowship. Fellowship is our joint participation. And so let's develop this idea in the scripture and bring it out. And so I kind of divided up this, this text of verses 1 through 4 is the basis of our fellowship. Notice. He says, that which was heard was from the beginning, which we have heard. Notice the uh, use of the senses that, that John brings out. Which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. One of the reasons John writes this book, uh, this letter, is to encourage Christians because. There was this false teaching that was rampant in those days that Jesus didn't really come in the flesh. That he wasn't really here. And so John answers that. He says, I saw him. I touched him. I heard him. I put my hands on him. He was real. He says, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness, and now uh, and show unto you that which that eternal life which was with the Father and which was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye may, also may have fellowship, notice here, fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. What is the, the thing that allows us to be in fellowship with one another? It is our common belief in Jesus. Our common belief in, in, in God. And so uh, John is saying, You can have the same joy that I have. I witnessed him. I know he was real. I saw him. I touched him. I I ate with him. I lived with him. I know beyond a doubt that he is real, that Jesus uh, is really the Son of God. He heard the voice in the Mount which said, This is my beloved Son. He knew beyond a doubt. And he wants us to know, and that's why he's writing, so that we can know and be confident that Jesus is is real. And so that's the the basis of our fellowship, our fellowship with one another and our fellowship with God. And here's how this works. If I am in fellowship with God, I have that relationship with God and other people, you all have that same relationship with God. Uh, We each are in fellowship with God and as a natural product of our individual being fellowship with God. We are in fellowship with one another. And so the basis, though, uh, of our faith, our our faith is the basis of our fellowship. So John writes so that our joy can be full, that we can be confident in the faith of Jesus. Now, uh, in verse 5, we read here, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. You know, God himself, the person of God, the character of God is the standard uh, of our fellowship. God is the perfect standard for what the Christian is striving to be. You know, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 15 and 16 says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. That is the standard. This is what we are striving to be, to be holy as God is holy. In 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 12, it says that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Not sure how that verse got in there. Uh, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savour. And so we are to be uh, to follow and imitate God as dear children. That is the standard for which we are striving to achieve in our fellowship. Uh, in verse six, eight, and ten, we notice we're skipping a couple of verses, but we'll get back to those. In verse six, eight, and ten, we have what I would would call the limitations. Of our fellowship or you know things that might hinder our fellowship. And so notice uh, verse 6. It says if. And I I want us to pay attention to the word if. We're going to see that uh, in the next uh, that five verses here. uh, Including this. Uh, The word if. If is a conditional statement. There is a a conditional clause. Most of the time it is. Sometimes it's used a little bit differently. And we see it used both ways in this text. But uh, notice it's a conditional clause here. Uh, and um, let's see. I've got another slide here. All right, uh, not here to do a, a, a Greek uh, grammar lesson. There's not going to be a test over this. But there's some things that, that we do need to bring out in the Greek language that, that are helpful. And so um, notice there are different types of verbs here. and all, Just about all the verbs I have highlighted Some are highlighted in that uh, purple color, Uh, and it's if we say, for instance, this is uh, in what is known as the aorist tense, which is a past action that happened once, Uh, it is in the subjunctive mood, which makes it a hypothetical statement. And so if, perchance, hypothetically, we might say that we have fellowship with God and walk. In darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And so he's setting up a hypothetical situation. He uses it several times here. Uh, then the, the verbs all highlighted there in yellow are present continuous action. These are just your normal sense of which verbs are used. You know, I am standing here. I stood over there. That was the heiress. I am standing here. That is the present tense. Uh, the fact that it's, it's an active voice, I'm the one doing it, the subject of the one doing the thing. Uh, indicative just means it's in the most common sense in which that uh, verb is used. And so hypothetically, if we were to say that we are walking in the light, then we are lying and not doing the truth. And so what does it mean to, to we're walking in darkness? And so if we say that we are walking in the light, if we have fellowship with him, and we are walking in darkness, then we are lying, and we are not doing the truth. What does it mean to be walking in darkness? And it simply means to to be living sinfully. If our present state is living in sin, then we cannot be in fellowship with God, can we? That's impossible. If we say that we can both walk in the light and in the darkness, we are lying to ourselves and we are not doing the truth. We're not being doers of the word. In James 1, verses 22 through 25, there it says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. He goes on there in verse 23 and says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass, For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And so, notice uh, that doer is not doing the truth. You know, what is truth? John 17, 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them with thy truth, thy word is true. So we're not implementing God's word. We are hearing it, but not doing it. If we say we think that we can serve God and serve mammon at the same time, we cannot do that, Matthew 6, 24. And so uh, if we're walking, if we say we're in fellowship with God, but we're actually walking in darkness, then we are lying. In verse 8, we'll skip verse 7, we'll come back to it. Verse 8 uh, there it says, uh, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Again, that's in that hypothetical situation. If we would say that we, are, uh, that we have no sin, and that's a present tense. So if I was ever to say, at this point, I have no sin, when in fact I am sinning, and I think that's implied in the text. Uh, Then we are walking in self-deception. You know, the next verse in James chapter 1 says, If any man among you seem to be religious, and another translation says, Thinketh himself to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. again, there is the idea of uh, self-deception. We are deceiving ourselves, he says. And that's in the present tense. We are deceiving ourselves. And there is no truth in us. Again, God's uh, word is truth. Those who refuse to acknowledge their sin do not possess the truth. They don't know God's word. And then verse 10, the other limitation. It says, um, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar... And his word is not in us. Now if we are saying present tense. Now uh, have not sinned is in the perfect tense. And so the aorist is that simple past tense. It happened once uh, yesterday I ate. That was a simple past tense right. I ate. Now in the perfect tense. Yesterday I ate and I'm still full today. That's how we would do it in English. I'm still feeling the effects. It's an ongoing thing. I ate and was filled, and I'm still full. And so uh, the idea here is that if we are saying that we have not sinned ever, if we are saying that we have never been guilty of sin, you know, the Jews did that a lot in the days of Jesus, didn't they? Uh, He says that we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. And so if we say we have not sinned, then we, uh, that we are sinless still, then we are calling God a liar in his word. Romans 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so if we claim to walk with God, if we claim to be in fellowship with God, but rather than that we are walking in darkness, refusing to acknowledge and repent of our sins, then we have no understanding of God's word. And so can we go to heaven at all if we're not putting God's word into action in our life and living in self-delusion? I don't think we can. And so those, you might say, are the limitations of our fellowship. Uh, notice verse 7, verse 9, and chapter 2, verse 3. And, you know, there's a lot more throughout the, first of the book of 1 John that we could put here. But primarily this. Notice verse 7, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. And we'll go on verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And in verse 3, we'll skip verses two, 1 and 2 for now, come back to that. Verse 3, and hereby we do know that we know Him. And again, the idea of knowing God is to be in fellowship with God. You know, we're, just a couple of weeks ago, we, we studied the life of King Manasseh. And remember from 2 Chronicles that King Manasseh, after he had been humbled, after he'd been dragged into captivity with hooks and thorns, after he'd been dragged off, he, while in captivity, repented. And remember, the Lord restored him to his kingdom. And it says there that Manasseh knew the Lord, that he was God. And I believe the idea here is that Manasseh began to walk with God and began to be in fellowship with God after this. And so, uh, if we walk in the lights, he goes on in verse 7. Again, what does this mean? It means that we're in fellowship, means that we are doing God's commandments. Hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. So how can we be assured that we are in fellowship with God? Because we're keeping His commandments. Uh, And so, what happens as we walk in the light? Again, walking in the light is keeping His commandments. You know, things like loving one another, loving God. Uh, You know, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and loving our neighbor like ourselves. Upon these hang all the law and the prophets, as Jesus said in Matthew uh, chapter 22. But what happens when we're doing that? When we're walking in the light? And and notice again, let's go back and look at the tenses of these uh, verbs here. Verse 7, if we walk, that's present tense, if we are walking in the light, as He is in the light, God is in the light, Christ is in the light. He is the light, and uh, we have. He says, "Then we have," and there implied. Then, if there's an if, there's an implied then, or if not a straight out then, uh, we have present tense fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, is cleansing us from all sins. As we're walking in light, we are being cleansed from all sin. These are present tense verbs. And so what happens when we walk in the light? We have fellowship with God and we have fellowship with others who walk in the light. We have cleansing from all sin. Again, this is the present tense. Active voice indicates uh, mood on all verbs in this verse. Uh, Some are indicative mood. That means it's just the the most common sense in which that verb is used. And so you know, there are some that argue about this, uh, uh, the means of how. Uh, this takes place, this walking uh, and cleansing takes place. You know, some say, well, you know, your sin is immediately wiped out as if it never happened. And others say, well, no, that would then be once saved, always saved. And so uh, that's not, uh, neither one of those is really the correct statement of, of uh, the position held by others. Some say, well, you don't believe this and you don't believe in grace and you don't believe in mercy and, and all of this. Uh, Again, that's a misrepresentation of what they actually believe. But we're not here to talk about that, really. Again, we're here to talk about what the Scriptures say. And so, um, does it matter what people say or what the Scriptures say? Of course, we know the Scriptures uh, say it. And so, you know, verse 7 here is not the end of the topic. You know, you think about the, the Bible. When it was inspired, there were no chapter breaks. There were no verse breaks. And so... You know, we can't just chop it up and say, well, this is talking about that. It has no bearing on what's next. That's not true. It all relates. It's all interrelated. It's one uh, long message that he's trying to get out. It's a thought he's trying to get out. So verse 7 is not the end all here. Some say, well, you know, it says as we walk in the light, our sins are washed away immediately. Good enough for me. Well, what does it say in verse 9? All right. What, what does it say in verse 9? And I know there's some whatabouts or what ifs that come up here, and we'll get to those in a minute. And that's really where the division comes in. That's really where the problems come in, is the what ifs. Well, let's continue and and finish out this context. 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, notice here is a, a green thing. All right, this is the present tense. It is an active voice, and it is in the subjunctive mood. Again, which makes it a hypothetical, you might say. He says, if we are confessing our sins. That's an if. It's not a guarantee that we are. But he says, if and when we are confessing our sins. Notice that he is, that, that word is, is in the present tense. Because God is in the present tense always. Always. Every attribute of God is in the present tense always. If we confess our sins, and, and I think the word because could be put in here to imply because he is faithful and just. God is faithful and just. He's going to do right no matter what. He is faithful. He's going to do what he has said no matter what. He is faithful and just to forgive. And again, that's in the hypothetical Uh, heiress tense If we're the type that does this Then God because he is what he is Will do these other things To forgive us our sins And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness And again there's the word if There is a implied contingent The if is contingent If we do these things Then God will do those things Now what does it mean to confess? Confess comes from the greek word homologeo which means to speak the same thing to assent accord agree with denotes a to confess declare admit b to confess by way of admitting oneself guilty of what one is accused of the result of inward conviction c to declare openly by way of speaking out freely such confession being the effect of deep conviction facts, And so when we confess that we have sinned and our confession is to God, if we confess our sins, we are saying with God that, yes, Lord, I know I am in sin. And now I think implied in this is repentance. If I really believe in my heart and in my mind that what I have done and what I am doing is sinful... That I am going to act on that. I'm going to stop doing it. And I'm going to repent. I'm going to do better. And so implied in this is repentance. And so you cannot escape the the need for repentance and confession. Again, uh, we must be the type of person who does this. In order to have our sins washed away. This is not saying that we've got to make a list. Every time I sin, I got to make this big long list of every sin I can ever remember doing that I don't remember ever repenting of and go down it word by word, list by list, and, and repent of each one of those things. I don't believe that is something we have to do at all. But here's what it, I think it means to be one who is the type that confesses and repents is when I recognize that I have sinned, I simply have to just say, you know, Lord, I recognize what I did was wrong. Please forgive me. Help me not to do that again in the future. I do. I say that prayer probably ten times a day. Uh, that's not because, you know, I think if I fail to say that prayer, I'm going to be lost. I don't think that, but uh, that's the kind of person that I want to be, that I'm striving to be. The kind of person that looks at his life, recognizes when he's wrong, and tries to do better. Seeks to do better. And seeks God aid, God's aid in doing better. You know, some say, well, I don't remember everything I did. Again, we don't, again, don't have to make a list. Lord, please forgive me for those things maybe I don't know about. Maybe those things I have forgotten I have done. Help me to recognize when I, when I do wrong. Help me to, to be better. You know, I don't think this is uh, anything that's all that difficult to do. I don't think it's anything that we're asking uh, a bunch of, you know, asking too much of us. And so, you know, The means of our fellowship, verses 1 and 2, we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, But, well, we'll go ahead and read it. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation of our sins, for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And so... Uh, if any man sins. He's writing this so that we will not sin. But he recognizes the fact that we will. There is not a if any man sin. When we sin. That's a, not a, that's a given. We're going to sin. All right. Uh, but notice, uh, I just want to briefly go over this. Four types of sin. There may be more. And you can categorize them differently than I've done here. But uh, you have know, what I would call innocent sins. Little two-year-old steals a candy bar. Well, that's a sin. That's against God's law. That's making them a thief. But they're not old enough, and they don't have any capability or capacity to understand that they have done wrong. And so they're not going to be held accountable uh, by God for that. Uh, uh, we have what we call ignorant sin. Really, there's kind of two kinds of ignorant sins. One is, I know an action is sinful, but I'm not realizing that's what I'm doing. And you could draw all kinds of examples, and I tried to think of a number of examples, but uh, I have a hard time with that one. But someone could possibly be completely unaware of what they are doing. And so I would call that an ignorant sin. Uh, There is also the sin uh, that, well, the person doesn't know it's ignorant at all, or doesn't know it's sinful at all. Like a new convert. They haven't had time to study the whole Bible. They've studied you know, what it takes to become a Christian. They become a Christian. You know, you, you've got somebody that baptized on Sunday morning, uh, goes home, turns on the football game, and drinks a beer. Doesn't, hasn't been taught about drinking beer. And so, you know, could he have known? If someone had come to him and said, you know, drinking beer, that's a sinful thing to do. And would he have changed, it? had he known? You know, I don't know. Uh, that's, uh, but anyway, that, that would be an ignorant sin. And again, we're not going to get into the what ifs here. Uh, And so, but if I truly could not possibly have known that something is sinful. There's no way on earth that I could know uh, something that is sinful. uh, If I've only read the Bible a couple of times and I've only studied the Bible for a couple of weeks and I only just was baptized today. There are things that I don't know that I could not possibly have known. And so that goes into the category of ignorant sin. And we'll talk about that. Uh, here at the end, and so uh, then there is the unintentional sin. You know, oops! I, I dropped a hammer on my foot, and I screamed out a word that I should not have spoken. And so the unintentional—you go out and with the intention of saying, "This is not the way I live. This is not my lifestyle." Uh, and so uh, it's an unintentional sin. We can't be walking in the light and committing intentional sin. And so that's the other category: willful sin. We know it's wrong, and we do it anyway. You know, if you're a Christian, you've been brought up, uh, you know, being taught uh, morality, being taught biblical morality, you've trained and developed a conscience. And your conscience tries to warn you that this action you're about to take is wrong. And you ignore and override, and you do it anyway, which, you know, that's kind of where I fall into my sins a lot. Is, you know, I'm about to lose my temper. I'm about to to get angry over something without a cause. And my conscience says, Jack, you're not doing right. Get a hold of of this. And I go, shut up. And I do what I want. That's a willful sin. And so, um, willful sin will put us out of walking in the light. We're not walking in the lights if we're living in willful sin. And so there's your four types of sin. Now, is there anything controversial about what we've looked at here? I don't think so. Where does the controversy come from? It comes from when people start throwing in the what ifs and the what abouts. You know, uh, I've been on Facebook and i made comments similar to this. And then somebody, well, what if, what about, what this, 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 and that, and the other thing. And that's when you start causing You know, the problems. That's where, I guess, our problems come in. When we're not just satisfied to take the word, the Bible, and its word for it. And we've got to dream up all of these what abouts, what ifs. But I think verse 1 of chapter 2 really answers any what about or what if." He says, my little children, these things I am writing unto you so that you will not sin. That's what he's saying here. And if and when is implied any man sin, we have. Now again, remember that the the tense of this, if any man sin, is that hypothetical situation. But he says, we have, that's in the present tense. If any man sin, we have an advocates with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous. So if and when we sin, we have an advocate, and I think we overlook this word sometimes. What is an advocate? According to Thayer's Dictionary, is one who has been summoned to call to one side, especially called to one, one's aid. One who pleads another's cause before a judge, a pleader, a counsel for defense, legal assistant, and advocates. And so you think about we are in fellowship If we're walking in the light, we are in fellowship with God and we're in fellowship with His Son Jesus Christ and we're in fellowship with one another and that means that we're working for each other. Working for each other's best interest. And so, we have an advocate. You know, Jesus is righteous. He's never going to do wrong. He's always going to do what's right for Him, for God, and for everyone. He is righteous. You know, Hebrews 7 verse 25 says that he ever liveth as our high priest to make intercession for us. To take our part. To stand with us. You know, in the judgment we're going to stand before a righteous judge who will always do right for everyone involved. We're going to stand before a righteous judge and we're going to be represented by a righteous advocate who makes intercession for us. In the judgment, we're going to stand there. And in the judgment, we're going to have to answer for any sin still on our accounts. But if I am a Christian and I have walked in the life, all of my life, and I make one fatal mistake and I die as a result, when I go to judgment, I am not going to be standing there alone. I will have an advocate who will stand with me and take my parts. And so you think about in answer to the ifs and the what abouts, recognize, recognize the fact that Christ knows those who are His. He says so in John chapter 10 and verse 14. And will intercede on their behalf as Hebrews 7.25 tells us. And He has already done so in the past by being the propitiation for our sins. You know, propitiation is that which appeases. God's sense of justice must be appeased. God's love must be appeased. And so Jesus came and he took care of both. Out of God's love, he dealt with the problem of man and his sin. He appeased the, the righteous judgment of God. He continues to be our propitiation. And so here's the deal. If you are a faithful Christian who keeps God's Word, you repent and confess when you become aware of sin, if this is just simply how you live, this is the type of person you are, a walking in the light, confessing sin Christian. We're continually doing these things. And we fall under one of those what if or what about situations. Then know that we will not have to face judgment alone. And do you really think that whatever what if you could dream up or what about scenario you could come up with that God has not already thought of that and already accounted for it in His plan of redemption? And so I think the advocates and Jesus being our advocates on the day of judgment is, answers all of those problems. And so you know, lean into this knowledge. Do your part to the best of your ability. And if you do so, then you can know that you are saved. You know, hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. 1 John 2 verse 3. 1 John 5 13 says, These things have I written unto you that you may that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You can rest in and, and, and that you are in the hands of a righteous God who will deal with you righteously. You know, Paul said. Uh, remember, uh, he says, "I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him uh, against that day." I believe that's First Timothy chapter one verse twelve. Paul knew, John knew, and we can know. We can know we know him if we are doing his will. Walking in the lights. And we can know. And we can put our trust in Him that He is not, you know, this angry God who is just waiting to zap us to hell. To waiting gleefully to zap us to hell. Uh, he is not that kind of God. He's also not a God that's gonna overlook us walking away from Him. He's not gonna overlook that either. He is a God that wants us to do right. He's going to help us to do right. And He has given us what we need in order to do right through His Word. And if we do these things, we don't have anything to be afraid of. You know, 1 John 4, uh, verses 17 and 18, He says, Herein is our love made perfect, mature, complete, you might say, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torments. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. You know, we can not be afraid, don't need to be afraid. Love God and obey him. Love your fellow man and, and serve and minister to him. This love and understanding then casts out fear, there's no room for fear. No reason to fear. Trust God. And trust Jesus, your advocates. And let not your heart be troubled about any of these what ifs or what about situations. Do God's will. Obey Him. Make that the way you live your life. Don't continue living in sin. Serve God and continue to serve God all of your life to the best of your ability. And when you mess up, recognize you have done so, make it right, and continue on. That's what we're to do. That's how we can know that we're saved. That's how we can not be afraid on the day of judgments. You know, if I, if I'm worried that my last act on this earth is going to be a sin, and I'm worried that I'm going to have to stand before God to give an account for that sin, then maybe I need to consider my walking in the light. If You know, there's a saying that when in stress you regress. And when a stressful situation comes, like an 18-wheeler barreling down you in the wrong lane straight at you, that's a stressful situation. How do you react when that happens? You know, if you react sinfully and you die, you've got that advocate who's going to help. But uh, really... Think about how we're really living. You know, when I drop a hammer on my toe, how do I react? Do I scream out obscenities? If that's how I react, then I need to work on that, don't I? And I think each one of us have areas that when we react to things suddenly, without thinking, that's a, a lot of times has to do with what's in our heart. Are we really living the way we should if that's how we react? That's just something to consider. And so... Uh, if we walk in the lights. How do we walk in the light? When we keep His commandments. We know that we know Him. What commandments? Well, of course, Jesus gave us commandments on how to be saved from our sins. There are a lot of other commandments we need to continue to follow in and and grow and and understand and learn and come to a knowledge of. But in order to, to be walking with God, we've got to first have our sins washed away. We can't walk in darkness and be in fellowship with God. We walk in darkness because we're sinning. So we must repent of our sins. If we believe in God and we, we believe His will, His will and His word, then we need to repent of our sins. Confess our belief here. We're not necessarily confessing our sins, but we're confessing that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and then we're repenting of our sins, and we can't repent of a sin which we don't acknowledge. Uh, and we don't have to, again, uh, becoming a Christian, you don't have to make a list of everything you've ever done. Just know that when you confess that I have sinned, when you repent of your sin, and you don't walk in sin anymore, that those sins are washed away when we are baptized. So I urge you today, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, to do so today. Today, if you're here as one who has willfully turned away from God, it's time to come back. It's time to repent. It's time to confess your sins and to be restored to that relationship with God. Today, if you're here and you're subject to the imitation you want to become a child of God and walk with Him, you need to study more about it, you want to learn more about what it takes, uh, what's involved, then we'd be glad to sit down and study with you. Be glad to if you're a Christian and you've been in sin and you want to make it right and you want our help. Because again, that's part of our fellowship. We're seeking each other's best interest. We're helping one another to go to heaven. There's anything that we can do to help you to go to heaven. There's anything that we can do for you at all in response to the gospel, please let us know by coming forward as together we stand and sing.